Hello and welcome back to She's In Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and videographers from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an aspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who's just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have the same passion for video. One of those being Jocelyn Otiveros, a combat mass communicator for the 12th Marine Corps District, specializing in photography, videography, and writing. She has served since 2015 and is here to show us how women, particularly minority women, can make waves in male-dominated spaces and pave the way for other women to succeed. Jocelyn, uh, thank you so much for being here. It is an honor to get to speak to you today. Hey, Kale. Thanks so much for having me. It is my pleasure to join you here. This is a great project that I've been looking forward to be a part of. Awesome. Well, first of all, I'd like to start off by saying thank you for your service. I think no, that's... Thank you so much for the support. It's, 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 it's humbling. Of course, of course. So, um, I, I want to hear your your journey is fascinating to me because when I um, whenever I've heard about like armed forces or, or military careers, um, the creative aspect of that has never come into play. So I want to hear a little bit more about your role in your current um, occupational assignment. But what why did you join the military? Let's start there. Okay, so that's actually the funniest question I always get asked because I I don't know why I joined. Usually people say, oh, you joined for citizenship because I was born in Mexico. No, I was already a citizen prior to enlisting. Mm. Um, you're like, oh, you want to join for school? I had a Fulbright scholarship to a private Christian university back in Arizona. Wow. So it's like those those tangible benefits just warrant it for me. I think um, at the time it was a way for me to leave home and to explore something and do something that put me uh, out of my comfort zone. And then ironically enough, when I joined originally, my job in, in the Marine Corps was supposed to be uh, in the intelligence field. And then two weeks before going to boot camp, my recruiter tells me, hey, by the way, because of XYZ, we can only send you as combat camera, which was the very last choice I had picked when I was going to do my stuff. And wow. I was very upset, but I said, you know what, I've been waiting months for this, just send it. And... It was a blessing in disguise, and, and, and this job was given to me like a silver platter, and, and a lot of people who want this in the Marine Corps wait years to be able to join with this particular field, mm. and it's it's honestly the best thing that's ever happened to me. Wow! So you join the the military, and you get your last choice job, but it ended up being kind of a, a big blessing in disguise there. So what does the job entail, and what was your first choice that you didn't get? My first choice was in, in the intelligence field. And then my second choice was in um, what we call Seaburn, which is a chemical biological, which is just basically dealing with um, uh, like uh, training for chemical uh, warfare. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, much different than, than camera op, right? Yes, it's completely <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> Right. So what is, because um, when I was, was looking at your work, it's like, I was wondering, okay, does this mean every kind of mission or, or event you're there with a camera? Are you taking like corporate military headshots? What is the, what is the job? So it's a little bit of everything. So mm -hmm. the way that the Marine Corps will put it, it's uh, historical documentation, right? It's kind mm -hmm. of like the photos and the videos you see of World War One, World War II, the famous flag raising in, in, in uh, Iwo Jima. It's, it's somebody who was in my field at that time. Wow. But the way that I put it now in a very blunt way is we got to tell taxpayers what we're doing with their money. 
right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> so, they appreciate that too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, basically, depending on the unit you're in, is 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 will define the types of stuff you're covering. So previously to to this, I was in the like just logistics unit, so we were covering a lot of delivering food and ammo and building bridges, right? Uh, when I deployed, it was a division, which is with I was attached with the infantry, which was more patrols and ranges and uh, uh, buddy rushes, all that type of stuff, and then an extraction mission training. And then now that I'm here on the recruiting section of it, is a little bit more uh, showing the journey of what it takes to to become a marine. Um, yeah. So it, it's just it just changes based on where you're at. But I think at the end of the day. Um, the the message that we want to communicate to the public is is why we Marines are different. So we have the slogan, the few and the proud. So whatever it is that we're doing, that's going to be the final the final message. Is like what sets us apart and, and why we train the way that we do. Yeah, absolutely. Which kind of category do you like best? Do you really enjoy the recruiting um, operations that you have now? I think I think it's it's a little bit easier to to focus on the recruiting side because it's a lot more of a controlled environment okay yeah so i'm, I'm able to set up the story the way that i want i'm able to set up the interview the way that i want talk to the people that i want whereas when i'm back in what we call the fleet which is basically in the base yeah. um and these training exercises it's it's you have to be on your toes because everything's happening at once and you need to capture the entire try to capture the entire thing um and it's a it's a very uncontrolled environment so you do get a lot cooler shots like that you see in, in, in the in the movies type of stuff or on the social media, like the, the person jumping out of a ship, out of a plane or right. the gunfire. It's a little bit more cool and appealing to the eye. Um, but I think the stories over here are a little bit more niche and, and just a lot like more uh, relatable to the public. Got it. And so you get to do photo and video for these projects? Yes. So when I came in, um, we were what we call public affairs, right? So that job no longer exists. We kind of like merged into one. And my specialty is photography. Got it. But we cross-train and they can send me to do video, even though I'm a photographer by trade, or yeah. they can even have me do some graphic design work because that's also part of our job field is design wow. posters and logos and that sorts of stuff. And that's not my strong suit whatsoever. And I avoid that. I would say like the plague, but it doesn't really seem fitting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, wow. So, I mean, did you have all of these kind of tangible creative skills before you got assigned or is a lot of the, the training on the job? So I had never picked up a camera, quote unquote, professionally before. Right. Court, right? You just had the, the point and shoot cameras for the family functions and everything mm -hmm. right and I honestly was so upset with my recruiter so I told my instructor I don't want to be here um I'm not going to purposely fail because it's just not who I am but I'm not going to try yeah right and uh I got the second highest score in the class without trying so imagine now <laughs> imagine if you apply yourself yeah exactly <laughs> and then I get to to my first unit and and I was taught just photo and writing at the time and they're like hey we need you to go make a video and I was like what camera video i just know how to click the shutter for the photo and that was it <laughs> right. and I, I have no idea they like didn't teach you video and like no they just taught me photo and how to write a story that was it and um the 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 sergeants the ncs that i had at the time were on transitioning out of the marine corps so there wasn't a lot of time for them to train me on the video aspect of things so it was i look back at my first videos and they are 
complete mess. Like the audio is messed up. The 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 uh, the image is shaky. It's out of focus. Right. It's super exposed. All sorts of like messed up things. And uh, I was shooting in JPEGs when I was taking oh, photos. Yeah. yeah. So you can imagine, like that's how bad <laughs> that's how bad it was. And I was just dead set. I'm like, I don't really care because it's not really what I wanted to do. Right. Uh, and it wasn't until I got sent out on my deployment that I met at the time Staff Sergeant Philip Elsby, who's now out, and he actually sat me down and told me, like, you're going to learn how to do video properly and how to take pictures the better way. And he taught me basically all the stuff that I know now, and that's when I really fell in love with, with this job and, and with the, the things that you're able to do and the stories that you're able to tell. And at that time, it was more like on the job training um, yeah. with him coaching me through it. And then after that, it's just been more myself, like uh, uh, YouTube tutorials, courses online and, and all that sorts of stuff. But past my initial training within the Marine Corps, it's just been uh, on the job. Yeah. So it, it really took kind of a dedicated mentor to be able to, to show you the ropes and show you what could be accomplished with your camera um, to have you really fall in love with it. Yes, that's exactly it. That's awesome. So what kind of like, do you have a lot of creative freedom when you go out on these assignments or do you kind of get a brief and you're like, okay, this is the job or is it more like go to this event, kind of do with it what you will, or are they kind of expecting a certain output from you? It's a little bit of both. So when you get the assignment, they're like, hey, this is what's happening. And this is, these are our expectations. Like, this is the message we want to convey. And then we kind of have the freedom on, on deciding how we convey that final message. Um, you do have like a, 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 a chain of command, basically, that goes through the editing process. So like I would finish a video and they would go up to the next higher rank, keep giving me corrections, fix it. And then we take it to the, um, the officer in charge, which is the approving authority. And then more changes would happen and then so wow. on and so forth. But like they, they will brief you like, hey, uh, this is what's happening. Um, this is kind of what the, the commander's intent is. Um, go film this. And after that, you kind of build the story on, on, on your own. And, and it's about 60% creative freedom, 40% not creative freedom. Yeah, I was I guess I was surprised when you said that it would kind of go through revisions and edits just like any other project. I mean, it kind of runs like a like an in-house production company when you think about it. Yes, I think the longest project that I ever worked on, I started in September and I finished in December um, because it was going back and forth with revisions because it was very uh graphics and after effects heavy so everyone's like oh that kind of glitched a little bit and oh that that i don't really like that but on top of that it was a um video documenting the history of one of the units so we also had it sent into the historical section of the marine corps to ensure that all of the footage and all of the yeah. stuff that i was writing about was actually accurate and that took a while to hear it back from but yeah i started in like beginning of september and i finished like the first week of december and that's when the video was published and that's probably the longest project I've ever worked on so far. Wow, that's awesome. So kind of um, illustrate for us the skill set you had when you started. It sounds like you were shooting mostly automatic JPEG format. You're just clicking the shutter uh, when you when you have your shot in frame to kind of the, the choices and the, the technical abilities that you have now in your career. Yeah, I mean, it just, it took a lot of trial and error, to be honest. Mm. There's, there's, uh, and it was uh, like pulling teeth with me at the time because I just I was refusing to learn because I was like, this is not what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, but after hearing stories of people saying like, oh, I've waited 
a year and a half to enlist because this job is only available like two to three openings a year. Um, and it's very difficult. You need to have what we call a very high score, a VASVAP score to be able to get it. And, and everyone's like, how, how did you get it without even trying? Like, it was a lot of resentment and that, that kind of like pushed me. It's like, you know what, maybe I should look into this a little bit more. Yeah. And um, to the point where after I got back from the deployment, I actually invested in my very first personal camera. I bought a, a Sony A7R three. Okay. And I started shooting mirrorless and I started learning a little bit more because for the Marine Corps, we have a contract with Canon. So we shoot with uh, the uh, um, the Canon 1DX for photo and the C100s for video. Nice. Um, so it was a little bit of shifts of learning both. And, and now it's 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 honestly great because it I've, I've seen my work in many places within the Marine Corps, even just the civilian side of things. Um, I actually found one of my pictures that I took when I was deployed in 9-11 and nominated for the photo of the year for the Marines at that time. In addition to being put in uh, what we call like the, when we're separating from the Marine Corps, like the veterans um, book that teaches you kind of like how to transition. It, like that photo is on that book. Wow. Um, and it's kind of like those small things that made you like, you know what, it's, it's, it's really worthwhile because like your name's kind of in history at that point. Yeah. And it's kind of pushed me to learn a little bit more. It's like, hey, you're, you're not shooting automatic. You're actually going to take the time to to capture the shot that you want as best as you can so you don't have to do a lot of final edits, but actually learning how to work these programs with Adobe and Lightroom and, and edit these pictures to the to my creative ability. And, and at that time, and that's what they'll want me to do, especially for photos. It's a lot easier to have your creative freedom than with video. Sure. Um, and then it's just been a it's been a, a roller coaster of a journey since uh, shooting automatic. Yeah, that's a that's a wild ride. Uh, but it sounds like especially in that environment that you kind of have to learn pretty quickly. Um, because the, the photos and the video that you take, it's not just, you know, being put into a typically like put into a database and never being seen. Like these are the ideas that these photos and videos, um, you know, show or represent a certain time in history and they're to be kind of published and resurfaced. And I guess if you take pictures of, um, I guess like individuals do those photos get kind of like tagged and sent to them so that they have like personal access to those. Yes. So, I mean, uh, with social media nowadays, a lot of the work that we do is, is geared towards being put on social media. So it's kind of go everywhere. And not every picture that we take is approved to be um, uh, put out, right? It's right. not approved for release to be released. So, and sometimes those are internal ones that are not approved to release because of X, Y, Z. I do, I will ask some of the Marines like, hey, what's, what's your email? So I can send these photos to you because... Um, it's nice to look back and, and through the years of your service, whatever job you have in the Marine Corps and see stuff that you're doing with your friends and, and, and whatnot and, and just having that, that memory of that time, even if you were miserable at the time because you're in the middle of the desert and it's stupid hot. Mm -hmm. um, so for those individual ones, for those who want it, they're like, hey, just, hey, here's my phone on my notes app. Just get, put your email on there and then I'll just do a mass drop on my Google Drive and I'll send them the link. And I'll be like, hey, this is going to expire and like, 60 days so make sure you download everything because uh and, and so on and so forth and and I, I i personally do try to give those individuals pictures that i've taken of them yeah that's awesome yeah because it's it's not only i guess for the 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 marine corps as a whole um but for the the individuals that are serving it, it it's got to be nice to be able to even just in your own personal kind of flip book or or rolodex of photos to have those memories and it's really awesome that that you have the opportunity really to to capture that and kind of um be part of the the legacy that these marines are are putting forth so i think that's really cool 
Um, I have a question for you. So how did you progress on the job? Because I was reading your, your bio and it says that you became a social media assistant manager. Mm-hmm. So um, you started kind of as a as an, a camera ops person and then evolved into this. Tell me about that journey. So at the time, so being a social media manager usually is a job for what we call like a staff on commission officers. So that's about an E6. So it's about seven or eight years of experience. Wow. Um, and then just being an assistant is usually about like an NCO, which is about four to five years of experience at the time. And I've only been in the, in the field at that point for not even a year. Um, <laughs> and one of it is because our job field is very small. So for our unit at that time, it was myself and two other Marines for production, the the senior enlisted advisor, and then the uh, police authority, the officer in charge. So there was five of us in that office to cover an entire logistical unit. Um, so it, it was at the time, Hey, we also need assistance putting this stuff on social media so that I would get all the projects and I would uh, schedule them. And then they would just go in and like revise the caption or anything like that. And, and, right. give and I did get sent out to do a social media manager's course. I once again, pay for the Marine because they'll pay for all my training. And yeah. it actually ended up helping me because out here, um, I am one of one in this particular job field and, and this marketing and communications role that I'm in. And mm-hmm. I wore many different hats. So not only am I the, the production chief, basically, so making photos, videos, edits, I'm also the social media manager um, to do analytics, to do posts. And I just not only manage like the recruiting Sacramento, um, I manage the individual offices and I have oversight about other 15 social media accounts on Instagram. Wow. Um, so it kind of it kind of did help me to get that thrown into that role very like at a very young age in my in my Marine Corps career because it's it's mostly what I do now it's it's a big chunk of my day to day thing is just doing social media stuff especially after COVID and, and we rely so heavily for the recruiting side on social media yeah that uh um it's it's a big part of of my my role now and and it it's it's. I don't hate it, but I do miss being out in the field and actually doing uh, my original job, which is taking photos and making videos. Got it. So have you taken, because you said you're really not out in the field so much anymore, um, and I'm not super familiar with like the structure of how your your life as a a Marine goes. Um, So have you taken your creative talents kind of outside of your work with the Marine Corps? Do you do kind of film or photograph for fun on the side? Because I know you said you got a camera. Are you freelancing at all? What does that look like? So I I do for a lot of the Marines right now. And and honestly, I just tell them like, hey, either pay for my gas or buy me lunch. Yeah, is a lot of the stuff that I do for for my Marine friends, right? So um, in July, I actually filmed the wedding. Um, I didn't film. I'm sorry. I did uh, photos for one of the Marines who got married, hmm. uh, and I was like, "Hey, just just pay me in food and give me gas money, and, and we'll call it even, right?" So I, I have done uh, wedding photos. I did a vow renewal last year. A couple of friends just wanted to do, like model shoots and going out into the river and like stuff like that and and i freelance in that sense right now just to kind of build up my portfolio not really charging people money right um just so i have both aspects of it for when i do decide to leave the marine corps i have like my marine corps portfolio of what i am able to do and then stuff on the side that i've actually able to work on yeah so have you have you thought extensively about kind of when you would leave the corps what that looks like for you Ah, I, I said I was only going to do one enlistment, and here I am. I re-enlisted last year, six years in, and uh, I don't know. Um, my plan was to get out after my first contract, but then the pandemic hit, and 
uh, I guess it's, it might be selfish, but at the time it was like, well, I have a steady income if I re-enlist and uh, health benefits, health insurance and dental and everything covered. Um, when right now where we stand in the country is very like uh, turbulent mm-hmm. uh, and there's no um, guarantee that my job would be stable enough to pay me every two weeks or give me like benefits that I have right now. So I decided to just like bite the bullet and then do another four years. And uh, I guess we'll see where we are in 2024 when my contract ends again and then see if I decide to do another four. I always said if I make it, if I go past 10, I have to finish because I could retire with 20 years of service. Wow. At that point. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, I'm like, I'm halfway in. I already given 10 years. What's another 10 to receive full benefits. Right. And my retirement pay every. Yeah. So kind of, we'll kind of see how that goes, but uh, I can tell you my body definitely feels (laughs) has taken a toll and and feels uh, the six years in the Marine Corps that I've had. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about, um, what the Marine Corps is like outside of just your your specialization or your occupation. Do you have training? Um, is there ever a point, and this is going to sound kind of like stupid or ignorant, but I really don't know how any of this works. So at, at any point, like, can you be kind of called upon for battle? Like, how does how does that work? Because I'm guessing in order to get to the Marine Corps, you have to go through boot camp. So you're, you're training like a Marine, even though you have kind of a creative specialty, um, yes. right? Yeah, so, so the way the Marine, oper- the Marine Corps operates is it says every Marine or rifleman. So we all go through the same initial training, which is boot camp and then Got Marine it. combat training, which is we call MCT. After all of that, which is about four and a half months of training, mm-hmm. you go to your school, your specialty, your military occupational specialty, um, which call MOS. And But once you get to your unit, every year you have to do your annual requirements, which would be your physical fitness test, which is ran between January and June, which is a three-mile run um crunches and pull-ups and or push-ups and then from july to december you have to do your combat fitness test which is a a 800 meter run in boots and we call it boots and use which is like the cami trousers the boots um ammo can lifts in two minutes and the maneuver under fire which is basically sprinting and doing a battle uh, a buddy drag and a a fireman's carry and uh, sorts of stuff Um, in addition to you have to go and qualify on the range to make sure you're proficient with your rifle so those are the basic requirements that we have to do. Um, and then uh, aside from that, you're attached to what we call a deployable or non-deployable unit. So deployable means that, yes, you can get called up on be like, hey, we have Marines leaving for a Marine Expeditionary Unit, a MU, or a Special uh, Purpose MACTAF Marine Air Ground Task Force. Um, and then you get attached to that to that unit and then you'll do your time overseas. And when, uh, if you're in a non-deployable unit like I am right now, You you stay here the entire time and you can't get called into that deployment because your job is crucial in that sense and you have to stay here. So for us recruiting, we have to continue. Recruiting never stops. So my three years here, um, uh, I cannot be called up to a deployment, but I still have to do my annual requirements for my PFT and my CFT. I don't do the range because we're not on a base. So there's no way for us to be able to have weapons and or go sh- shoot the range that the format that we have it. So we get an exemption for that. But for everything else, we still have to meet those annual requirements. Got it. Got it. So you're not stationed on a base right now. So where are you? So moment? right now I am in Sacramento, California. Okay. We have, as far as recruiting works, we have recruiting stations and then 
the next echelon is a district, and then it's a region, and then it's a Marine Corps recruiting command. So because these recruiting stations are all over the country, uh, you're not really on a base. You're on what we call an independent duty. Mm-hmm. So I work in an office building, right? Um, it seems like any other building that you would walk into. Uh, we still have our, our uniform that we wear every day and all that, but we're just not on a base. Got it. So you're, um, do you find your own housing? I'm assuming they're, they're you know, supporting financially all of these endeavors, but you get to find your own housing or do you live like in a community with other um, employees? So when you get sent on independent duty and so the way, let me rephrase that. The way the Marine Corps works, if you're an E5 and below and you're not married, you do stay in the barracks or dorms, right? Um, After you get promoted to an E6, you can get housing allowance or if you're married, you also get housing allowance and get moved out. But if you're in that E5 and below, not married, and you get put on independent duty, like I am right now, you do also get a uh, housing allowance because there is no base, there is no dorms for the Marines to live in, um, that we have to live out in town. So when I got here, they give me the housing allowance and the sustenance, like meal allowance, every month. And I am responsible of either finding an apartment, a house, if I want to buy or rent or whatever the case may be. And I'm just financially responsible for all of that. Um, whereas if you're in a base, you don't really have to worry about anything because you're in a dorm room and you don't pay bills and you don't pay for your meals because you go to the child hall, the cafeteria. Um, but yes, when you get put out in an independent union when you're not on a base, they will support you financially in that aspect. Got it. Thank you, by the way, for going through all this with me. I, uh, no, I'm learning. I'm learning so much. So you said you're also um, now in a non-deployable unit, but I believe when I read your bio, you have been deployed before. Um, in your other kind of roles. What was that like? Where did you go? Walk us through that. So I was with what we call a special purpose MACTAP. Um, okay. And I was deployed nine months. So we went to the Middle East. Our ba- It's our base, basically, or, uh, um, our base of operations, sorry, is in Kuwait. Okay. From there, because of the nature of my job, you do get attached to the infantry platoons and units, and you do get to go a little bit more places than anybody else who would be in that in that base of operation. So for me, I was able to go to to uh, Jordan, um, and I went to Iraq, and I went to Syria while I was out there. Um, and you know, it's 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 rough being away from family, but. It's, it's, you still have access to the internet. Um, I got to sleep, and for the most most of the times, I was sleeping in a tent with a bed and AC and a heater, and I had food, and I had indoor plumbing. So it's kind of one of those things where, like, you don't take for granted, right? Once you leave that compound, yeah, I did have to sleep in the sand, and my my flak, my my bulletproof vest was basically my pillow. Um, no no restrooms, and the only female with a bunch like twenty or thirty guys, and all of that. Um, but it's it's it was fun, and that's and I know it sounds weird because you're deployed and you can look kind of in the combat zones and yeah. whatnot. But um, thankfully, we we didn't have any anything happen while we were out there. Yeah. But uh, just kind of like just being out there with, with the Marines, Misery Loves Company and kind of the stuff we do to keep ourselves into train and everything were kind of like the memories that are fun and that I remember. Yeah. Wow. I mean, to have to even just have that experience at, at such a, I mean, a young age, I can't imagine you are that much older or younger than I am. Um, I'm 24. 
Oh, no, I'm 25, going 26. Oh, okay. That's so <laughs> I funny. Actually, I'm... I joined a little late. So I, usually people join when they're 17 or 18. I was 20 when I came into the Marine Corps. So I'm, I'm a little older than most. Got it. Got it. But so, I mean, like being in your, your mid twenties, you've, you've had all of these experiences and I guess, you know, we're fortunate enough that they, they went well to do the extent that some Marines that get deployed have a very different experience than, than what you had, I'd imagine. So, um, but it's just even to, to live through all of this and kind of like have these experiences under your belt, uh, in your mid twenties is, has got to be an incredible experience, but I am, um, curious about, you know, being a woman it, what was your experience like in the Marines in a male-dominated space? Um, and and I mean no disrespect when saying this, but the armed forces haven't always been so um, welcoming to diverse candidates. Um, so what kind of walk us through like the good, the bad, and the ugly of navigating this space? Yeah, no, it's 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 a roller coaster, and you do have to fight or like you're, you're sitting on the table basically and, and fight for, for that disrespect. When I was uh, deployed, I did remember at the time, it was like, well, we're gonna send Corporal at the time, Ontiveros, to, with you guys to document and film everything. And they're like, well, uh, sh- she's a female. And they're like, well, we don't, we won't have like any separate housing for her or like any separate like indoor plumbing. And I'm like, what does that have to do with me being able to do my job? Like, <laughs> what, right. how is that relevant? Like, it, it, it's, doesn't matter to me and they're like ah whatever fine and then they'll relent and once you show them that you can keep up with them whether it's hiking whether it's carrying your like your weight or whatever it is they, they kind of like just leave you alone uh and, and i was fortunate enough that i was able to do all of that to the point where when they were going out again they would specifically request me to go with them but it is a, a fight at first i was supposed to go to afghanistan uh, but they sent the male Maureen, my, one of my counterparts, instead. And they're like, hey, we're going to replace you um, 30 days after he's done and we're going to send you out there. And I was like, okay, cool. That never happened. Um, one, because it's like, oh, we don't we don't have any accommodations for the females and stuff's already there and everything. I was like, well, how, why are you impeding me doing my job, having the opportunity just because I'm a woman? Like, yeah, it's, it's irrelevant, like, just I'll just like I don't need a separate sleeping quarters. We're all gonna be sleeping out in the field. We're all gonna be using the uh, uh, the outhouse basically or the portajon. It's the same thing. Like no one's showering because we don't have any showers. Like what right. what difference does it make? Um, so to me that was very upsetting because at that time, the marine that I was also a driver for, so the sergeant major, which is one of the highest rankings, mm-hmm. had specifically worked out combat camera to go to Afghanistan because he wanted me to go. He did it for me and I didn't get to go. And he was not very happy about the fact that like I worked everything out for her to be able to go and have this opportunity and document. And it kind of was taken away from me. Um, and, And even aside from that, just picking up rank, being in charge of the Marines and being in charge of all male Marines, it, it, it is difficult. Um, because you, like I said, you have to fight for that respect at, at times. Like yeah. not everyone's very opening. Everyone's, uh, upbringing is different. Everyone came from a different background and they all have different, um, cultural aspects and beliefs and, and they don't always say kindly to, to, uh, change into differences. Yeah. Um, the, the benefit is that you don't really have an option in, in the military. Um, it's like, they're in charge of you, you will listen to them or else you will get 
punished. You will get in trouble. So it's it's in that sense, it's like you can't really fight that back too much. But it is frustrating at times when you're like, I, I, and I've, when it's frustrating at times when you're telling somebody to do something or you're trying to mentor them and they just don't have that respect for you just because you are a woman. It is it is a lot more rare, but I have encountered it. Thankfully, I've been fortunate enough where I haven't had too many instances of that. But even for, for myself, I do find myself thinking when I have had female leadership um, and, and saying like, oh, she's such a she's such a bitch and then I'm like is she really or am I just feeling this way because it's a woman in charge telling me what to do would I be feeling the same way if it was a male uh, who was in charge of me and telling me these things right so and I I think it just happens to all of us and so I always try to stop myself and think like are they being unreasonable to the point where they really are just being quote-unquote a bitch or am I just um structure to believe that just because they're a woman empowered they they are more difficult to work with um and i think that's that's a slow change and it is coming not just in the marine corps and all the branches but like all things uh when you have like a culture that like that it doesn't happen overnight yeah definitely i mean we also we have to can kind of confront these these biases and these kind of these opinions like you were saying in ourselves um but also it sounds like you just have to have a level of resiliency to be able to to serve in the marine corps have there ever been a point in time where you were like i'm out like i can't do this anymore and you really felt like throwing in the towel i did um so it's very very gonna be very open with you um i did have a a, a mental breakdown when i was deployed it it got really bad um i was at the time having suicidal ideations right um i was just going through a difficult point in my life dealing with unresolved trauma um being out in the middle of nowhere wasn't helping out just the stress of work um frictions within my command and my leadership at a time because we weren't seeing eye to eye um it it did get it really 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 bad um i have scars on my arms i I don't know if you can really see them but everyone asked me like oh what happened like oh i got fined with a cat but no it was it was self-inflicted at the time and and it got to the point where i actually went to to one of my staff sergeants and i said hey i need help and i pulled up my sleeve and was like my arm and like my entire self was like bloodied out um and after that i was sent over to see uh mental health and thankfully i was able to get the help that i needed i was going to see my therapist i got some antidepressants and then um, i got some uh sleeping medication because i wasn't sleeping either so that wasn't helping my my well-being um and then i I still see i still see mental health every now and then i like once a month just to make sure that i'm doing okay um but i have been diagnosed with, with depression anxiety and uh ptsd um so it has been difficult um it does happen to to some people, but I, I can say that I've been fortunate enough to be able to receive the help that I needed and be given the, the time and the space to sort of uh, be able to take care of myself and put myself first. Yeah, I mean, you're so brave to have gone through that and, and have the, the, the wherewithal to be able to say, I need help and and have the courage to ask for it in such an environment. I can imagine that that was really challenging. Um, what are what are some other I guess characteristics that you think that you possess that allow you to kind of survive in an environment like that? So I, I can 
um, imagine that that you're resilient, right? That you're brave. Are there any other characteristics that you can kind of share with us? Um, just even for the the women listening to this podcast who might be thinking, I, I want to join the Marines. I have some concerns. What mm-hmm. qualities do you think they need to possess in order to succeed uh, in an environment like that? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, obviously, yeah, resiliency and knowing your worth. Mm. Um, for, for me, it, it took some time to just be able to like, hey, you know, like this is who I am, this is what I'm worth, and I'm not going to let people just walk all over me. Mm. Um, I, I am very outspoken and very blunt, and that's both a blessing and a curse, especially in the military, right? Because right. there's a time and a place to say things, and, that's, and it has happened to me where I kind of just react, and I say things, and whether I'm right or not, it's just the fact that I, I said it in the time and a place where it wasn't appropriate, or, or the tone that I was saying it could have be been misconstrued as being rude or belligerent. Um, but, but, but I also believe that you do need to speak your mind because just because someone's in charge of you doesn't mean they're always going to be right. And you're also there to help and mentor not only your, your peers and your subordinates, but also your superiors, right? Um, mm. We all have experience from different backgrounds. And, and the best thing to do is to share that experience and to be able to be open about it. Um, so I think just being able to to stand your ground is going to be very important, uh, whether you're a male or a female, but particularly just being a woman in, in any workplace, um, just being able to say this is this is what I think and this is what I think should happen based on these factors, and I'm going to stand my ground and not let people talk over me or walk over me, um, and and. There has been a, there has been times where I, I've been frustrated enough to be like, um, where, where another another sergeant male would would interrupt me and I was like, excuse me, like if you would listen to what I am saying, you wouldn't be having these questions because I'm not done talking yet. And and that's wow. kind of one of the things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah, it's like don't stop interrupting, stop interrupting me. Literally, that's also what I told him. Like, stop interrupting me. If you would listen to what I'm talking about and what I'm saying, you wouldn't be having these questions. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like that, that thing is just like, at times you're like, I'm just going to be quiet and walk away. No, like, like stand your ground and people will think, oh, she's such a bitch. Right. (laughs) But it's going to happen one way or another. And and I think not caring what people think about you is also really important because just prove yourself, like no, prove that you know your job and you know what you're doing and whether people like where you are as a person or not, they'll respect your work ethic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, it's that, that question of, uh, what is it, whether to be, be loved or respected, I guess you'd, you'd rather be respected. Um, yeah, that makes, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, so bringing it back to the, your, your role, right. Your occupation, your occupational specialty, tell me what a typical day is like on the job. Um, every day, do you have an assignment? Um, yeah. What is, what does the day-to-day look like for you? So, when you're back in the fleet or a base, you have a shop about three or four Marines or, or on production, right? So I can go about a week without having a lot of work. And then I can go two, three weeks around like a, a, a busy day, just working every day, right? Right. It, it just depends on the time of year. It depends on your personnel and it depends on the person in charge of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last unit, um, there was eight. No, I'm sorry, not eight, six Marines on what we call production, meaning that they'll be the ones to get sent out to do photos or videos and whatnot. I had eight projects. Everybody else had one. 
Um, wow. And when I asked my, my officer in charge, she's, I asked her, like, what's going on? Why am I the only one being tasked out? And she, and she told me, and I guess it's a, a humble brag, but she's like, you're my most competent and talented Marine, and you're the one that I trust to be able to to accomplish these things. And I was like, well, thank you. That's great to hear. But, <laughs> but I also need to get some sleep. I also right. need to be able to get some sleep and be able to take care of other things. Um, yeah. So, and then now where I'm at, I'll come into the office around 8, 8.30. I'll check my emails for about an hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Scroll TikTok for a little bit. Naturally. Um, naturally, yeah. Um, <laughs> go make my social media posts for the day or for the week, depends on what our target is. And then go through the like the 15 accounts that I that I manage just to ensure that they're posting and that the stuff they're posting is, is appropriate and then kind of check the analytics for a little bit. And then after that, it just varies on, on what we're doing. So for example, this past weekend, I was working Aftershock. So Aftershock was a four-day rock festival. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was working all day because I also do help coordinate events wow. for recruiting purposes, right? That's also part of my job. So I'm also like in sales and vendors and media relations and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so there'll be days where I like, oh, I have four or five meetings with vendors about potential partnerships. And then the next day I'll be traveling to my offices because I do have offices all over Northern California and Western Nevada. So currently I cover 180,000 square miles just by myself. Right. So uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the West Coast in California, but uh, from in, in Sacramento, which is the capital, drive three hours south to Selma, Visalia, Fresno, and I can cross the state border to uh, Nevada and I'm in charge of like Reno and Carson City I've gone up to Reading, Chico, uh, all, all that stuff because I have an office in one of those areas that I have to visit like at least once every two months just to ensure that I'm they're getting the training in social media, they're getting training in uh, media relations, supporting wow. them with photo and video content, uh, supporting them in, as a female Marine because we don't always have a lot of female recruiters going out to their schools, doing talks, what we call class talks, doing table setups, pull-up bar challenges, and just being a female, it it just immediately uh, like draws in a crowd. It's like, oh, you're a female and you're a marine. What's that like? So that's yeah. also some of the things that I support. So in this duty, I am busy like four to five days of the week. And I, prior to COVID, I was working six to seven days a week. So very rare or rare job in my field, and it's the busiest you'll probably be working this type of job. When you're, like I said, when you're back on a base, you have a project on Monday and it'll be due on Friday. So you work on it then and then you won't have a project for like another week or two. So you're just doing training, just right. watching tutorials, trying to get yourself better, doing your annual training online, mentoring your Marines. It, it just, it, it varies on the nature of this job because sometimes we'll have four to five projects and there's weeks where we have nothing. Yeah. What do you kind of prefer or is it, would it be kind of a, an in-between, like you like being busy, but you also kind of like the assigned on Monday due on Friday? Do you think there's a, a good balance? I, I mean, sometimes I do like being busy because it just, it just keeps me focused uh, with my, with my ADHD and just being able to just like, okay, just have a list of to-do lists. But I also do miss mm-hmm. uh, just having one project at a time and being able to focus my entire attention and and my energy into that. Whereas here, it's like, hey, I have a project for a video that I have to do on top of 20 other things that I also have to take care of. And it's yeah. a little more difficult. So I, I stay busy, but I'm not giving it my my all to this one particular thing. Because if I do, there's like a list of 40 other things that I have to drop in. That's kind of not, not how it is. 
So I do miss being back on a base and just being like, hey, you're going to go film this on Monday and it's due by Friday. Do what you need to do. So that it's, it's a little bit more freedom that way and just to be able to work at my pace and give and have my my devotion and my dedication to that. Yeah, absolutely. But I can't even like drive home the point enough that the experience that you've gained in the past several years is like is like incredible because I mean in order to I mean the knowledge you have of photo and video and now social media and and kind of the 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 recruiting side of things which which I guess presents itself the opportunity to to be good at like public speaking and and managing people and things like that it's like it's such a a well-rounded um job opportunity which I'm, I'm sure can be overwhelming and overbearing at times but um it's really cool to hear like from an outside perspective to hear how much opportunity and kind of experience you're gaining in a in a field that I, I didn't even know existed before I met you yeah it's uh, my resume is incredible after this <laughs> right <laughs> uh, and, and I, to say I've just been doing all of this with without a college degree um, so yeah. if I do get out, it depends on the company that I would want to apply. I have all of the experience. I don't have the degree, but just, it's just whatever. Sometimes they ask for the degree, sometimes they ask for the experience, so on and so forth. But, uh, it, it does, it is a little sometimes overwhelming because, Hey, you're expected to have the knowledge of somebody who has like a master's in marketing and business management as yeah. a 23 year old, usually Marine corporal or Sergeant managing a bunch of like a hundred Marines and trying to get all of this stuff done. So it, it is, it's not for everybody. Like do, doing this part of the job within my field is not for everybody. And I've had had Marines ask me like, Hey, do you think I should go out there? And I'm like, honestly, no. <laughs> Mm. knowing your work ethic knowing your priorities and how you react honestly i think it would just be best for for you and your and your well-being and your mental health and for the unit if you just chose to go somewhere else because it it, it is a little overwhelming um but it's 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 fun uh, I, I definitely a lot of experience um and uh, i just I'm very grateful for that because I do my resume will be pretty, pretty well-rounded <laughs> if I do decide to get out and I have all of this stuff to put on there. Yeah. Awesome. And it, it definitely sounds like it's, uh, it's not for everybody, but I think that goes back to like knowing your, knowing your worth and knowing what you're, you're capable of and understanding your own boundaries. Um, I know just hearing <laughs> what you were saying, I know somebody like myself would not do well in an environment like that. So I think kind of just doing your research, but also, um, I don't know. I had a, I had an ex who went into the Marines and a lot of his time was spent just talking to um, not only recruiters, but other Marines that are, have served or, or are serving, just like getting that experience. Because maybe hearing from one person, you know, might not be the decision maker, but kind of getting different perspectives and and hearing from other people who have had um, had the experience uh, is really helpful, I'd imagine. Yeah. And, and like I'm not a recruiter, per se. Um, right. So I, my job is not to sell the Marine Corps. So whenever I do my visits and, and one of the, the child will ask me questions, I tell the recruiter, like, I'm not going to lie to them. Um, yeah. It's it's like any other job, the way I put it. You have your good days and your bad days. You have your good leadership management and you have your bad leadership and management, right? And you have peers that you get along with great and you have others that you cannot stand and you have that work drama. It literally is just like any other job that you're going to have, except you're wearing a uniform, right? And you have a little bit right. different sets of rules. 
But you can't you can't expect to go into the military and have it solve all of your problems, right? And that it's gonna just be sunshine and rainbows because it's it's not. And sometimes like yeah, life is going to be great and you're gonna have a great time of your life and then you're gonna be told to do something you don't wanna do because it's on a weekend and you're supposed to have the day off and yeah. now you're working through a holiday or you're getting sent down to twenty nine palms for a week and you're in the desert and you haven't showered and stuff like that. Um but then you also have really great opportunities to go do things that most people won't like you get to travel a lot you get to meet all these different types of people you get to go to some sometimes work security and conventions and get in for free uh, someone's always offering to buy you a beer so if you want free alcohol there's that um, <laughs> right but it, it is yeah talking to different people but I, I always I guess I would say is like don't don't let those people's um, I guess I would phrase it. Don't let those people's experiences like be your final decision on whether you want to join or not. Because like I said, everyone's going to have a different experience and everyone's going to portray that experience differently. Um, there's been a lot of times where like Maureen Grunge is like, oh my God, is this really, it's just very frustrating. Um, and I could just like, I could just focus on all the negative things and all the stuff that like I didn't want to do that I ended up doing and just talk about that or, or just kind of tell you about all the great things that I've got from the Marine Corps and paint you this pretty picture like the Marine Corps is like the best thing that ever happened next to sliced bread but it's it's, it's both it's 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 both it's like any job and that's with any branch whether you do army air force navy coast guard they're not really a branch but and then <laughs> and then uh, the shade and then now uh, <clears throat> the space force um <laughs> So yeah, it's it's. And then if you if you're a woman looking to serve, um, whether it's like the Marine Corps is probably going to be the roughest branch to be honest, but whether you go Marines, Air Force, Navy, whatever you choose to do, um, just know that you're always going to be the minority. Always, there's been times where it's just me. I'm the only female in that section or I'm the only female up, up until like a month ago, I was the only female in the office of 20 Marines. Right. Um, you're always going to be one of one or one of two. Um, so it just, it just really is being able to, to know your worth and to stand your ground because you, uh, being in such a male dominated space and all that testosterone can be a little intimidating and frustrating. And you just have to, have to let them know, like they're not going to walk all over you just because you're a woman. Yeah, definitely. I think it comes down to like understanding and and mentality and setting your your own expectations, right? If you, you can't necessarily go in there and expect that, um, you know, this is how things have been for, for hundreds of years. And now me being in here is going to change everything, right? No, it's like my act of being a female in the Marine Corps is helping the cause. But it's like, I can make change directly to the people uh, I'm reporting to or the people that are reporting to me. But um, I don't know, I guess thinking that you're going to kind of structurally change the Marine Corps just by by your existence, um, I think can be probably like a toxic mindset to, to, to have. So if you're, I guess, would you agree that if your reason, if you're a female and your reason for joining the Marine Corps is to like, I don't know, increase female representation or to structurally change things? Like, do you think that that's an unrealistic expectation? Yes and no. So I actually had this conversation with one of my, uh, 
I, she's not really in my marine because she doesn't fall directly under me, but I met her when she was in the in the late entry program to become a marine. Mm-hmm. Um, and she called me yesterday, and she's just having a rough time back in her unit. <clears throat> and she's like, that's why I enjoyed, she told me, because I want to change things. I, I want to... I don't want the things that happen to me or the way that I'm being treated to happen to other people or et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, I, and I'm like, I, I get that and I respect that, but I told her you have to remember that um, just making structural change by yourself is not going to happen overnight. And, and I've, I've always said, and I told her, your legacy, your the change that you made, your legacy is going to be based on the Marines that you led and how they remember you and the difference yeah. that you made on them and as a person. Because realistically, you're just another dot in the Marine Corps history, right? And the mm-hmm. Marine Corps is not going to remember you. Like, who is, is Sergeant Ontivero? It's nobody in the Marine Corps history, right? Unless you're a Medal of Honor winner, like, you really are not going to be anybody to make that that bump and like be able to stop and be like, oh, that's the person that really mattered in this right. history. It's it's brutal, but it, it, it is what it is. What's going to matter is how people remember you and the people that you worked with and how you help them, how you change them and how you mentor them. So you can be somebody who's just very disgruntled with the Marine Corps, but you take care of your Marines and that's what's going to matter because those people remember you as somebody that help them in rough times that mentor them that that paved the way for them and that's going to be your legacy and that's the change that you want to make because maybe those people will stay in longer and they'll remember the stuff that you taught them and pass it on to their to younger marines and maybe they'll get to a position in in leadership where they can make that institutional change right and it's it's such a a long and small domino effect um but it really, it just, it really realistically, you want to, if you want to make a change and a difference, you're going to join and you're going to make a change to your peers, right? Wow. The difference that you're going to make as a woman is showing the people around you that you can do it, that you have what it takes and that you're, you're worthy. And, and I've encountered this being out here in, in the recruiting section because one of the officers is an infantry officer and he has mentioned that he had one of the first females who was going into like the infantry combat training and he said yeah i didn't think she was gonna make it but then she put on that pack those 90 packs pounds and then she hiked the four miles with us and she was in the front of the line and like never one stop and she was actually pushing people and this and that and then just having the conversations with him he has said like yeah actually um i i was very sexist and very had a very opinion a very opinionated against women serving in those combat roles until I was able to see them in action and, and meeting these females, myself included, has changed his point of view, right? Wow. And that's the stuff that matters because he is going to go back and be a leader of Marines. And when he encounters that that friction, he's going to be able to step in as a person with power and leadership and put an end to that and be able to teach those people, right? So it's mm-hmm. not going to happen overnight. It's, it's how you influence those around you. Absolutely. 100%. Tell me about your favorite project that you've worked on. Favorite project that I worked on was the one that took like four months for me to be able to approve um, mm-hmm. because uh, it was just a very uh, great opportunity for me to like uh, expand on my knowledge into After Effects and graphics stuff. So, Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, After Effects is something I used to like avoid at any cost. And then um, I actually went into the program recently and I was like, okay, like this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but I'm definitely not an animator, but I can at least navigate my way around the program. Uh, So that's a really good uh, and useful skill to have. What is your most proud moment? 
Oh. My most proud moment. Your proudest moment, I guess. I don't know if that what I said was grammatically correct, but <laughs> I think it's anytime um, my sister calls me because she calls me the perfect sister, and so does oh. my brother, even though I'm not perfect. Because <laughs> uh, like they're like, yeah, my sister's a marine, and every time they meet somebody new, it's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. oh yeah, my sister, she's a marine, um, <laughs> and I haven't done anything great or worthwhile to be just be like this amazing person but to them that's important and then like I said I'm 25 my brother's 15 my sister's 12 so they're like my kids and I think my proudest moment is just being a a good role model to them that's awesome yeah I'm sure they uh they really look up to you too which is which is really nice um what has been your most challenging project most challenging project would have been doing a video on uh, distracted driving um, mm. because uh, I, I came into work on Monday right after lunch. I was looking on Facebook and I see this thing. It's like, oh, I can't believe you're gone about one of my friends. And I was like, it happened. And I go online and I look it up and I see this a news report for a car accident where a Marine was hit, uh, killed in a hit and run. Um, and then crying my eyes out and everything, my my boss comes up and she's like, hey, the general wants a video before the holiday Thanksgiving about reckless driving because Marines tend to, we want them to not drink and drive or text and drive and, and all these sorts of stuff and be safe during these holidays. Yeah. Um, and I was like, can somebody else do it? And, I, and she's like, no, I want you to do it. And I was like, oh man, this is, man, this is really hitting home for me right now. Mm-hmm. And it was a Monday, the video was due Wednesday morning. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So on Tuesday morning, I went and with another Marine kind of filmed the entire thing. And then in the afternoon, put it all together, turned it in Wednesday morning, it showed to the general, made a couple changes and then got sent out. Um, And it got picked up by a couple campaigns about distracted driving, not just within the Marine Corps. Wow. But uh, yeah, it was very difficult for me to be able to focus and, and just be able to do my job at the time because I was still like grieving the death of, of one of my friends. Um, yeah, that's, that's super challenging. Um, yeah. but it's, I always find that those projects that kind of hit home the most or like the hardest to do from like an emotional standpoint end up being some of the most rewarding things that you produce. Yeah, it was, it's actually one of the, one of my top videos that I, that I have made and it's, and it's, it's, it's still used as something that gets posted during some of the holiday seasons. Like, Hey, make sure you're being safe. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, do you have any um, exciting projects coming up that you're that you're looking forward to? Right now, um, no, unfortunately not. Um, I just have been busy traveling. I'm um, taking care of my mom, but uh, mm-hmm. I think the last project that I did work on was a, a video of the first one of the first females to train in, in the recruit training in San Diego. Um, went a little bit viral and uh, got picked up by the Department of Defense and then it just kind of went all over the place. So that that was the last project I'm working on. So um, it's the last video on my page. So if you want to take a look at that. Um, but for now, um, just traveling three and a half hours south next week. It's about <laughs> my next big project. Unfortunately, this job doesn't allow me to do a lot of a lot of uh, photo and video at the moment. That's okay. I mean, we'll be on the lookout for whatever you're you're producing in whatever way that is. Um, so how can we, where can we find you on social media? 
And Social media. Uh, so it's framing Jocelyn, like a picture frame. Um, and then uh, for anything military related, you can also find me on divids, D-V-I-D-S hub.net. And then just search my name, Jocelyn Antiveros. And that's where you can also see all of the stuff that I produce for, for the Marine Corps. And that's where it gets archived. But I'm, I'm pretty active on my Instagram and my, and my social media. So that's probably the best way to find me. Great. Uh, my final question for you, Jocelyn, is how can the viewers and listeners of this podcast support you um, as a filmmaker, but more so just in general, too, just as a, as a woman in the Marines? Um, we have a, a network of, of female filmmakers. Um, how can we support you at this time? I think the best thing right now is to, with whether you're a filmmaker or not, is to not just me, but in general, give women a give the women uh, a platform if you have it, and allow them to utilize that in order to be able to share their work and their experiences um, without needing anything in return, right? Because everybody's everybody's experiences, everyone's platforms are different, and just being able to share that space. Um, with with women filmmakers and, and, and aspiring filmmakers, um, I think it's just going to be able to assist us because, unfortunately, when we're trying to get work, usually it's like you have a female and a male. Tip, typically, people will try to work with like a male, a male filmmaker. So just being able to allow them to have that platform and give them that space to grow, I think it's going to help not just me, but all of the women in this in this environment. That's an awesome message. Jocelyn, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I mean, I've learned so much and I know our listeners are going to gain so much value from this. Um, I can't wait for people to connect with you on social media. You and I will hopefully definitely stay connected. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So as always, thanks so much for watching and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye. Mm -hmm.